Okay, so I'm glad you're here. Um, one of the sort of most inspiring and also, I'd say, the most perplexing or confounding, vexing, I like that word vexing, <laughs> um, but also inspiring things that you hear people say sometimes is this phrase, you ready? I just knew. We just knew. We just knew. And, you know, a, a lot of the world has experienced that, and a lot of the world is waiting to experience that. Um, just that moment of, I just knew. So I just want to talk about that moment right now and, um, and, and specifically how it applies to, uh, when, when God revealed himself at Mount Sinai. And then just also to talk about more on a, on a day to day level, um, just in terms of, um, kind of meeting your soulmate and, and things like that, just kind of based on my own experience, you know, this is kind of, uh, just kind of for me right now, but, but maybe, maybe it'll be helpful. Who knows? So, but, but I, I want to share. So, but, but let's start off at Mount Sinai. So, so, uh, I saw from the Bala Torum something very awesome, which is that, uh, that the word Anochi, Anochi, it would be translated as I, and it's the first word that Hashem spoke, uh, at Mount Sinai. And by the way, the, the, I heard from Rav Shlomo that, that the Kabbalists say, some, some, some Kabbalists say that, that the only thing that Hashem said at Mount Sinai was Anochi, which means that the only thing he said was I am, which is a mind blower if you think about it, because that means that all God said was I am, but, but contained within that I am was the entirety of the Torah. And if you want to sort of try to wrap your mind around that a little bit more, we know that Avraham Avinu, Abraham, the first Jew, um, our tradition is that he kept all the mitzvahs, um, including even the very um, precise derabundance, the the uh, rabbinical enactments that 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 weren't going to be you know instituted until much later, but that Avraham Avinu knew knew it all, and and we say, well, well, how did he know it? And so this will at first time even more perplexing. It says that his two rabbis, his two rebbies, were his two kidneys. So what does that mean? So the, the, the kidneys, spiritually speaking, the kidneys is the sort of the headquarters of intuition in a person. And um, if you know any Yiddish, I, I, I grew up with just like just a handful of Yiddish words, but this was one of them. So it shows you that this is like a big one, which is that I knew it in my kishkas. Your kishkas are your insides, but your, your kishkas are your kidneys. So, so there you go. So, so, so Abraham understood intuitively the whole Torah. But, but now let's put these two thoughts together. Remember, we said that on one level, Hashem just said the word Anochi, I am, but within that I am was contained the entire Torah. Meaning to say that when you're on the wavelength of perceiving reality in the proper way, you're really kind of seeing like the whole kitten caboodle, right? Like, that's an old-fashioned phrase, but the whole, the entirety of it. See, remember, one of the definitions that, that, that I heard once that I always liked of genius is that genius is the ability to see actually what's there. See, we, we kind of, there, there are a lot of, the word genius is thrown around a lot. And sometimes they'll say, uh, 
He's an artistic genius, which just kind of means that he's the person is super creative, right? But but that's more of a kind of a turn of phrase using the word genius to to apply to that. Um, but let's talk about genius like Einstein genius. Um, so Einstein understood that the universe was was curved, right? But he didn't. It's not like he was a great artist who on a canvas created a curved universe. He just saw what was there. So, so that's, to me, that's super cool. In other words, it, it recognizes that the ability to actually see what is there is, is, is a very rare, very rare gift. Um, so, so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe gave over the Torah, but they say the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, the reason why he was greater than any other prophet was because he didn't add anything to it. Like the prophets also accurately communicated the word of God. But in in doing so, they added just a little bit of their own phraseology, their own personality, if you will. So so even though it's it's an accurate presentation of God's word, which is why it's incorporated into the Torah, into the Tanakh, um, it's authentic. At the same time, though, nothing compares to Moshe's prophecy, which was just the purest lens, right? They talk about it, the language that the, the rabbis use is a, a, a clear lens or a cloudy lens, right? But that's, that's just kind of what I was describing before. So Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness is that he's taking the Torah, which is like, right? Like the whole universe is created out of the, the Hebrew letters, he's taking, he's taking the, the combination of Hebrew letters, the arrangement of them, the information contained in them, and he's communicating them exactly. So that's, that's, a, that's a special form of genius. I mean, not to limit Moshe Rabbeinu by just calling him genius. He's beyond that, obviously. But, but you see this working definition of genius in, in this instance, in that he's just conveying what's there. Right, because the Torah existed before the world was created. That's what the Talmud says: nine hundred and seventy-four generations before the world was created. And we've just, we've explained what that means many, many times. That basically the the Torah, as it existed before the world was created, was the will of God. It was the will that God had to create the universe, and then He shaped that will into the physical universe. Right. So the whole world is made out of Torah. So, so the the Balatorim says something very cool. He says that this word, Anochi, I am, right? So when God says, I am, just to finish the thought, not only do you see his existence, but you see everything contained within his existence, right? So it's, or, or just at least the physical universe, right? God fills this world and transcends beyond, beyond, beyond this world, okay? But, but you see how the word, I am, which is giving you a vision of God, would also allow you to have a vision of the entire Torah, which is contained within creation. Okay. Hopefully that's clear. Um, but let's approach the same thought from another angle, which is that this same word, Anochi, I am, is Gematria 81. And the Balatorum says that the word Kise, as in Kise HaKavid, the throne of glory, is also is 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 also eighty one, meaning to say, 
that when God gave us the Torah, when he said the word Anochi, all seven heavens opened up to the Kisei covet to the throne of glory. And the Balatorim adds that below it also was opened up so that we saw above and below there was nothing like God. See, this is very, very important. God is unique. When we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, that God is one, what does one mean? One means unique. What does unique mean? That means there is no comparison to him. There is nothing else like him. So, for instance, I heard this from Rabbi Green. It's very, very important thought, which is that um, many people, let's say most people, think the following, which is incorrect, by the way. They say, you know what? And they don't mean any disrespect by this or arrogance by this. This is just how people think, which is, you know, I, I, I think I can maybe describe God. God is just a smarter, stronger, better version of me. Like the smartest, best, most wonderful version of me. But no, God is not a better version of each one of us. God is beyond, 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 beyond. Um, so, so what does it mean God is unique? What does it mean that God opened up all the heavens above and below? It means that we were able to see, to grasp on a prophetic level, that we were able to grasp that there is nothing that we can point to in this world above or below and say, oh, that's just like God, only God is much bigger than that. Nothing. In other words, nothing in the entirety of the universe compares to God. Nothing. God is unique and beyond, 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 beyond. Okay. So now let's talk more about Anochi. Let's talk more about this idea that we began with, which is the idea that I just knew. We just knew. We knew. Um, so I'll tell you just to connect it to um, kind of meeting your soulmate for a moment. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of what I call the, the 360 method. So uh, what, what is the 360 method? 360 is a circle, right? So, so it's when you, anytime you learn something new, and it's very important to do this in Torah, um, which is why there's a principle that you never just attend one lecture from one, one, one rabbi, one speaker. Um, because the thing is, is that, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. What is the what is the 360? What is the 360 method? The idea is anytime you learn something new, especially a principle of life, and a halakha, by the way, too, some some aspect of Jewish law, you want to know when it applies. You do a full circle around it when it applies, but you want to know how to live with this information in every circumstance of your life. So you have to know also when it doesn't apply. Okay, so so that's doing a 360 around it, but but I haven't communicated yet. It's not just sometimes it applies and sometimes it doesn't apply. It's deeper than that. It's that sometimes you apply it by doing the opposite. So I'm going to give you a hopefully a very clear example. So it's very important to tell the truth. Never tell a lie. Don't lie. Like it's it. 
It hurts your soul when you tell a lie. And especially just don't tell lies over stupid things. Like, for instance, if you were late for some reason, don't say, you know, I got caught in traffic. If you didn't get caught in traffic, like, just don't accustom yourself to say lies for no reason. Okay, that's just a, a general principle. Now, now, ideally, we never lie. But let's say, and I'm giving you an example of applying this principle of not lying on the 360, in the 360 model, okay? Imagine your elderly grandmother serves you chicken soup. And imagine just whatever, for whatever reason, it just, it's, it's not, the recipe didn't come out right. Maybe she's old, her eyesight is off, who knows? But you taste the soup and it's just, it's not great. And she says to you, how's the soup? So the answer is always delicious. <laughs> always, 100% of the time, the answer is the soup is delicious. Because if anyone is saying, hey, the Torah tells me I've got to tell the truth, and you think that they're talking about telling your grandmother at that moment, you know, Grandma, you're, you've done better work. If you think that's what the Torah is saying, you have no idea what the Torah is saying. So the way that you're telling the truth in that instance is by telling her that it's delicious. And I'll tell you why. Because on a deeper level, you say, well, that wasn't the question that was being asked. So how is that the truth? I don't get it. You're not making any sense. Right? Because I'm telling you, on a deeper level, the question that was being asked is not, how is the soup? The question that was being asked was, do you love me? Or maybe even better, do you know that I love you? That's the question that was being asked. Okay, so we use the word chicken soup instead of love. Doesn't matter. That's what was happening at that moment. And of course the answer is that you love your grandmother. Of course that's the answer. Okay, so, so that's, that's, that's doing a 360 around a teaching. So, let's go back to this idea of Anochi, I am, and, um, I want to tell you how the Jewish people responded to this idea of God saying I am. And, and it's part of a debate between the Rambam and the Rambam as to whether or not it was a commandment or not. In other words, the Rambam says something very interesting. He says, when God said, I, I am your God who took you out of Egypt, right? That, that there was a Torah mitzvah being said over at that, that moment. One of the 613 commitments, uh, of mitzvahs, commandments, uh, also commandments. But what, what, what was it? Um, it was the command to believe in God. Makes sense. God says, I am. And okay, that, that's what it is. That's belief in God. The Ramban says something very deep. And we're going to discuss the Ramban's opinion since it's a little, little more mind bending, which he says it wasn't a commandment because how can you command someone to believe in God? <laughs> that, that the belief in God is the, is the, is the principle that underpins absolutely everything. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what Reb Tzadik HaKoyin says about this in um, Tekhanis HaShavin, and we'll get a little bit more into it. But I want to I want to make it real, just just so you know that these are very 
large questions and very relevant questions to our lives that we're discussing right now. So I want to talk about soulmates. Because remember, the whole Mount Sinai experience was a soulmate experience between between heaven and earth, between God and the Jewish people, forever, ever, 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 ever. And marriage ceremonies are based on it. You know, it's it was a marriage. So so it's appropriate to talk about marriage and, and, and soulmates uh, when we're talking about the beginning of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So I just want to tell you the story about how I proposed to my wife. Okay? So um, we I remember we went to a movie that night. Um, we saw Defending Your Life, the, the Albert Brooks film. Uh, if you've ever seen that, very interesting film. Um, and including the movie, I didn't do the math subtracting the movie, but including the movie, we that night we had a 17 and a half hour long conversation. And at the end of that conversation, and we hadn't been dating that long, at the at the end of that conversation, it was so obvious to me that that we were going to get married that I said to I said to my wife, this was the proposal. You ready for the proposal? I said, Reb Shlomo, my, my Rebbe, Reb Shlomo Karla, I said, I said, Reb Shlomo has to do the wedding. That was the proposal. Right. <laughs> and maybe even more instructive, even more instructive was what my wife's reaction was, because. You know, you could picture a situation where, where the other, the other person would go, what? That's how you're proposing? Like, what's going on? So, so my wife responded, I, I said, I said, Reb Shlomo has to do the wedding. And she said, well, you know, my father's very close with the, with the bub of a Rebbe. Maybe he'll do the wedding. Can you imagine that? That was, that was the proposal back and forth. And then later on, you know, there there was a formal proposal and things like that. But but that that's that was the moment it happened. And 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 why and how? Because we just knew. It was just so it was just so obvious and it was just so clear. Okay. So now the reason why I'm telling you this is to connect it back to the Jewish people, to connect it back to this idea what the Ramban is saying about Anochi that we didn't have to be commanded. That, that, that when God announced himself, that, that there, was, there was an expression of a relationship of the true nature of the Jewish people and God that was being said at that moment. That is that we just knew. We knew God was God. We didn't have to be commanded in the belief of God because we just knew. And I want to tell you just... Just how awesome an idea this is. Um, this is this is from Rabbi Moshe Wolfson Shlita, who talks about the spiritual gifts that um, that we received from Abraham Avinu regarding belief in one God, and he gives some very interesting um, examples. He says, and, and we're talking about this idea of knowing, again, just knowing, okay? Um, he says, how is it? You know, everyone's seen, um, everyone's seen spider webs. And you've seen the complexity of spider webs. They're, they're, they're you know, very geometric and elaborate and things like that. 
So how is it possible that a baby spider can make a can make a, a spider web? Where does he get the the knowledge to do that? If you think about it, it's it's actually very miraculous and, and wonderful. Or he gives another example. What about beavers and, and uh dams? You know, beavers have sharp teeth and they, they cut these pieces of wood and then they bring them underwater and they arrange them in this very amazing way and they, they create these these dams that 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 engineers marvel over. Now, how how is that possible? That a baby beaver is born with the ability to be like, you know, a construction engineer. Or or a baby, a human baby. Like how does a baby know to create a vacuum seal on its mother's uh breast in order to suckle? And 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 anyone who's gone through those early stages of, of breastfeeding, um know that it's it's not always so easy it's actually fairly complicated what what a baby is doing and and not at all obvious if you actually think about it so so just like um there's this concept of being born with a certain level of information that the jewish people were 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 blessed to understand in the deepest most intuitive way the oneness of god and many, many people, many, many great, great Sadiqim have said this, that if someone tells you they don't believe in God, don't believe them. And by the way, you have to be a little bit careful with that information. And I, I believe it very deeply myself that that's true. See, because you can't, you can't disrespect someone. You have to listen and you have to, if they, if they express a firmly, felt feeling um you have to be respectful and and you also have to appreciate that they in fact believe that um so um uh actually on the road now so i'm going to make this one brief so i'm going to sign off but i'll just tell you a story just to talk about that level of sensitivity see the thing is is that most people who tell you they don't believe in god most people, this is not everyone, everyone is different. But most people are angry at God. That, that's, that's the reality. They, they do believe, because if you ask them, where did the world come from? And how is it possible that everything works with the precision that it works from the heavens all the way down to DNA, to subatomic particles? People eventually will acknowledge that there's a design. And if there's a design, there's a designer. Eventually, 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 they'll, they'll get to that place. Especially if you don't argue with them, by the way. Um, because there's just, there's a clarity to the vision of creation. The problem is, is that the way the world works is very, very messy and very mysterious. And, and so, so people can get angry. And just to give you an example of this, and I'll just end with this story, but it was, it was very instructive to me. I was speaking with someone and, um, someone Russian. I, I mentioned that because, uh, a lot of people left Russia, um, you know, you know, at all different ages. This person happened to have left in their twenties. It was a male and he had a circumcision and it was botched, unfortunately, and it got infected and he almost died. He didn't. But he almost did. I was talking to his sister, and she had 
seen, uh, I guess, a new documentary, which unfortunately is, I guess, speaking against circumcision. By the way, circumcision is a Jewish thing. Non-Jewish people don't don't have that mitzvah to be circumcised. And I mean, if they want to, they, they can, but, but it's a particular Jewish thing. So I think one of the things this documentary was talking about was just the universality of it. But 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 it, it's a Jewish thing. It's a very important Jewish thing, by the way. And maybe it's for another time, but it's really one of the defining characteristics of all the mitzvahs is that is that Jewish men have it. So it's it's very, very central. It's very, very important. And very beautiful, very beautiful too, if you understand the ideas behind it. But anyway, uh, this person had seen the documentary and I didn't know their family history. And they were talking with me about it and telling me why they, they really, this person wasn't quote unquote religious, but is very sincere, why they don't really understand circumcision and maybe it's not a great thing and maybe people shouldn't do it. And you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and I remember, thinking like, let me just let them talk and, 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 and if they get out everything they have to say, then, then maybe I, I, I can say something, but I just want to listen first. And they got out what they had to say, and then they didn't ask me what I had to think about the subject. <laughs> so I said, at the end, I said, well, you know, because they had said, you know, in as respectful way as possible, like a lot of negative stuff, but it was, you know, very even killed and based on this documentary they had watched. I said, well, can, can I tell you some Torah ideas on this subject? And they said, yeah, sure, absolutely. So I said the various things, and then the person thought about it, and then said, well, my brother almost died from a circumcision that was botched at 24. And I, the reason why I'm sharing you, this story with you is, is not, we're not, I know it sounds like we're talking about circumcision. It's not about circumcision at all. It's because I would have expected, given that traumatic experience, that that would have been the first thing the person said. And it was only after talking to that person for about 20 minutes that that story came out. And it just reminded me again how complicated people are and how you don't really know what's going on with them unless you really listen and allow them to express themselves and things like that. And it pretty much goes for everyone. Pretty much everyone is in this category. And you just have to understand that, you know, there's this great quote, and I'll end with this, from Vladimir Nabokov, the great uh, Russian novelist. He said, Please don't understand me too quickly. And, you know, we should just be reminded that we're all created in the image of God and we all have this aspect of infinity within us. And let's not understand each other too too quickly. But also to understand, just to connect it back to Anochi, that how is it that we know? How is it that we know? Because the soul is a piece of God. And the soul recognizes itself, right? The soul recognizes its its own source. So when the soul sees God, the soul sees itself. Okay. Have a great week. Okay, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, 
I forgot to mention this during the whole 360 conversation. Um, and it, it, it uh, applies to us on a very practical level, uh, which is we just knew on the we just knew topic, which is that um, sometimes you you meet your soulmate and you don't just know. And I just think that's important to include in this uh, just on a super practical level, because, you know, I mean, all right, how spiritual person am I? I? I have no idea, but I lean toward the more spiritual, let's say. And and I had thought uh, during my life that when I meet my wife, I'm going to know it. I, I met her and I absolutely did not know her. So I, I just think that's important to say, because I think there are people out there who um, have that same sort of uh, intuition, which is that, hey, I'm spiritually oriented. When, it, when I see her, when I see him, I'm going to know. And I'm living proof that you can see them and, and not know. And so, so in the spirit of the kind of the 360 uh, philosophy there, I just want to tell you that there are moments where uh, uh, this absolutely doesn't apply. And, and I would say to also counsel anyone who, um, you know, has been looking for their soulmate uh, for a period of time and hasn't been blessed to fully connect yet, that they should ask themselves the question, am I perhaps uh, judging too quickly, meaning to say, am I, am I relying on my intuition, intuition that I'll know right away? And if that's the case, maybe give someone a second or third or fourth chance. Okay.